All right, we're going to get started. How many is, uh, let me just ask the same question I ask every week. How many had a good day today? Bad day? Mediocre day? All great days. Awesome. That's incredible. I will try not to mess it up. All right. How many of you did your homework? Don't make me have to send you to detention. Do your homework when I give you a homework assignment. Husbands, did you love your wives this week? Did you tell your wives that you loved them? Did you show your wives that you love them? Did you take the lead and take your marriage to a whole new level? Wives, did you do your homework? Did you respect your husbands this week? Did you stroke their ego? Were you their number one fan? All right, let's do a quick review of last week's lesson as a reminder. Also, if there's anyone here that wasn't here last week, it'll uh, uh, get you up to date. And uh, so we started last week, last Wednesday night, we started making an acrostic with the word couple, C-O-U-P-L-E. And with each letter of this word... Uh, we will discover how a husband can show unconditional love to his wife. Remember, remember a husband's number one need is respect. It's not love. Doesn't mean he doesn't need to be loved by his wife, but his number one need is not love. His number one need is respect. A wife, on the other hand, her number one need from her husband is love. Does she need to be respected? Of course, but her number one need is love. And so uh, we started making an acrostic with the word couple. For the letter C in this word couple that we're using to help find out how a husband can show love to his wife, we use the word closeness. Closeness. Wives have a need to feel close to their husbands. To be involved in his everyday life. She doesn't feel close to him if she isn't included and if she is not informed. So we need to understand this. You know, she's not necessarily, she might be, but she's not necessarily being nosy and she's not necessarily being untrusting when she knows, wants to know where you went, who you were with, what you did. Basically, she wants to be included. She wants to be involved. In your life, wives need some TLC. They need some undivided attention from their husbands. So, so men, husbands, you show wife, your wife you love them through closeness, involving them, including them, informing them. For the letter O, we use the word openness. You show your love to your wife through openness. Women want to talk about everything. Men want to talk about nothing, except maybe the Super Bowl. Men are only interested in the facts. Women want all the details. And when a man doesn't open up to his wife and share his feelings, his wife feels shut out. She feels isolated. 
She feels that he must not value her or value her opinion or he would include her and confide in her. So, fellas, we need to know how our ladies are, but ladies, you need to understand how us fellows are, and that is we're not probably going to volunteer all the information because that's just not in our DNA until we learn through this class to do it, and then we will do better, right? Men, repeat after me. I will do better. All right, for the letter U, for the letter U, she needs understanding. You love her by offering understanding. Oftentimes, a wife will go to her husband with her problem. The husband thinks because he is a man and because he is a logical thinker, He will think, oh, she needs me to solve her problem. And so he goes into problem-solving mode because that's what men do. We we solve problems, or at least we try, and we think we can. No, big boy, calm down. She doesn't want you to solve her problem. She just wants to process her problem by talking. She's verbal. That's how she processes And she's going to come to her own conclusion by talking it out, and she wants to talk it out with you. She probably already knows what she's going to do. She just wants some understanding. She might want some confirmation, but she doesn't want you solving her problem. Men are natural problem solvers. Men fix things, or at least they try to. Again, she doesn't want him to solve her problem. She just wants him to listen to her, to understand her, and to confirm her, uh, her feelings. For the letter P, we use the word peacemaking. Peacemaking. Conflict in marriage is normal. Every marriage has conflict in it. You can't put two opposites together and expect 100% peace and unity and harmony. So therefore, both husband and wife must learn how to become peacemakers. And they must learn how to say, I'm sorry. Last week I gave you a short course on peacemaking. Let me just reiterate. How you say something is more important than what you say. How you say it. The words you choose to use. Your tone of voice. (laughs) Your tone of voice. Your body language. And never use the word if. If I was wrong, come on, you know you were wrong. If I was wrong, if I hurt your feelings, she's crying, dude. (laughs) Never use the word if, come clean, own your mistakes, own your mistakes. All right, that gets us caught up to tonight's lesson, all right? Tonight we're going to finish this acrostic of the word couple as we use each letter in this word to describe how a husband should love 
his wife. Now, now next week we're going to talk about how a wife can respect her husband. And by respecting him, she will meet his number one need. So, fellas, come back and bring your ladies with you. All right, back to our acrostic of this word couple. For the letter L, the word that is used is the word loyalty. Loyalty. You can show your wife you love them through loyalty. See, for a wife to feel secure in her marriage, she must believe her husband is totally committed to their marriage. That he's in it 100%. That he wants her and no one else. Our crazy modern world offers women so many opportunities to feel insecure. What does somebody write or say or sing? It's a man's world. Uh, There's a lot of truth in that. Um, Our crazy modern world offers women so many opportunities to feel insecure, to feel that she doesn't quite measure up. Um, First of all, she's told how she must look. Society, Hollywood. She's told how she must look. Movie stars and models who, by the way, have full-time trainers and hairstylists and makeup artists and chefs, whose pictures are airbrushed, whose bodies are positioned and filmed and edited to make them look much better than they actually are. Most who either are nearly starving themselves or have some type of eating disorder in order to maintain their stick-like figure. And pressure is put on women to look like this. Uh, Let me say to the men, first of all, Before you place too much pressure on your wife in this area, you might look in the mirror, Bubba. Let me say this to the ladies. Although it is unfair, and it is, although it is unfair to compare you with the airbrushed, tummy-tucked, silicone-filled woman, The truth of the matter is your hubby is a visual being. God made him this way. And one of his needs, and we'll talk about it in another lesson called His Needs, Her Needs, but one of his needs is for you to look your best for him. He needs you to do the best you can with what you have. Men are visual. God made man this way. Men are sexually stimulated by what they see. Therefore, men, we must be very, very careful what we allow our eyes to dwell on. And fellas, we will never get to the point where we will not notice or appreciate a beautiful or attractive woman. And if you ever get to that point, you might as well just go and cross on over to the other side. 
<laughs> or you've got bigger problems, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We will never get to the point, fellows, where we will not notice or appreciate a beautiful or attractive woman. We are wired this way. God made us this way. To notice is natural. To appreciate is natural. It's not necessarily what we see that leads to sin, but what we allow our eyes to focus on and dwell on. To notice is not to lust. To notice is not to lust. To focus and feast on and fantasize is lust. Job chapter 3 and verse 11 says, I made an agreement with my eyes. That would be a good thing to do. I made an agreement with my eyes. I promised not to look at another woman with sexual longing. Let me give you some practical advice, fellas. God didn't give you a neck just so you'd have a place for your head to rest on. He gave you a neck so that you could use it to turn your head when you need to. Jesus said that looking at a woman with lust in your heart was the same as committing adultery. Now that's pretty hard, isn't it? That's, that's, that's pretty straight. That's pretty difficult on the surface. But we need to understand, and I already said it, but I'm going to reiterate it because I think both husband and wife need to understand that to notice is natural, to appreciate is natural. To notice, to appreciate is not to lust, but to focus and feast on and fantasize. That's lust. Not a casual glance, not a natural appreciation of beauty, not a uh, just knowing and realizing and seeing. No, no. That's not lust, but focus, feasting on, and fantasizing is lust. And Jesus said, if you do that, if you focus on, if you dwell on, if you feast on, if you fantasize, you have lusted in your heart. I've actually heard women talk about certain men that made them uncomfortable. I've heard them say that they felt they were undressing them with their eyes. Proverbs 5 and 15 says, drink water from your own well. It's not talking about water here. Okay? This proverb is talking about keeping sex and sexual desire within the confines of your own marriage. And, and husbands, fellows, men, your wife feels betrayed and unloved when she sees you look lustfully at another woman whether that be through pornography or just a second or third look at some woman walking down the mall. So stop it and be loyal to your wife. Constantly reassure her that she is all you need and all you want. Heard about a man that uh, told his wife on her 40th birthday that he was going to trade her in for two 20-year-olds. She told him, she said, well, you might want 220, but she said, you're only wired for 110. <laughs> I like it. I make it a habit constantly 
constantly tell my wife how beautiful she is, how cute she is, how good she looks, and uh, how blessed I am to uh, have such a good-looking wife. I encourage you to do the same. Not only are women told how they must look, but she's told what she must do. Women are told today that they can and should have it all and do it all. Marriage, motherhood, career, all at the same time. And they should excel in every one of those areas. Women today are told they must become Wonder Woman. Let me tell you, that's impossible. Her husband thinks that she should be able to cook and clean like her or like his mother did. Even though his mother had several years of practice by the time he was old enough to notice. And also his mother was a stay-at-home wife and mother. And his wife works outside the home. But he cuts her no slack. He criticizes her for not being perfect in every area. And this makes her feel unloved and unappreciated. Fellows, you can't have it all. If your wife works outside the home, you should do your share of household chores. When my wife cooks, I clean it up. Ladies, you do need to understand, we'll talk about this on his needs, her needs, but one of a man's basic needs is domestic support. You're not his mama, you're not his slave, but you must understand that he does need some help in this area of his life. Well, our crazy modern world offers women many, many opportunities to feel insecure. Not only is she told how she must look and what she must do, but she's told how she must feel. Because she's told that not only must she become Wonder Woman, but she must do it with a smile on her face and love being Wonder Woman. No one can measure up to this. And her self-esteem is negatively affected. And how could it not be? She needs constant reassurance of her husband's love and total commitment to the marriage. And he must never use the D word. How many know what the D word is? Divorce. Not even in jest. Here's part of the problem. Here's part of the problem. People compare their marriage with someone else's. The problem is you're comparing your marriage at its worst to someone else's marriage at its best. In the first Wednesday night, I asked how many married couples ever hit a rough patch in their marriage and every hand went up. Every hand went up. Pastor, you had rough patches? Yeah, I mean, not compared to what a lot of people probably, but, you know, some years have been better than others. Sometimes have been better than others. 
And uh, often we, when we compare our marriage, we're comparing our marriage at its worst to someone else's marriage at its best. And here's also the problem, and that is we only show people what we want them to see. See, I don't really know what goes on behind the closed doors at your house. I really don't know, unless you tell me, unless, unless one tattles. I don't really know. And I've been surprised sometimes at, you know, things that I learned later on from people because, because we, know, we know how to, we know how to, we, we know how to walk the walk, don't we? Or act the act. We know how to put it on, especially at church. We're really good at church, man. We can really do it. And often we're shocked. We're shocked when certain people get divorced because we only saw in their marriage what they wanted us to see. And the truth of the matter is, what was going on inside their home was far different than what they showed outside their home. So be careful when you are, when you are uh, looking at someone else's marriage with envy, uh, uh, comparing your marriage to their marriage, because you might be comparing uh, your worst to their best, or you may be comparing uh, your reality to their... Uh, um, putting on the dog. Uh, Stop comparing your marriage with someone else's marriage. You're not comparing apples to apples. And I've said it every week, so I'm going to say it again. Your greatest possibility for happiness in marriage is to work on the marriage you have. Stay with the partner you have chosen. Be loyal and committed to the marriage you are presently in. There are exceptions, abuse, multiple affairs. There are exceptions. But nine times out of ten, and that's just a number I threw out there. I don't even know if it's correct. But more often than not, I will say, more often than not, you are better to stay in the marriage you are in and work things out. And every time that you divorce and get remarried, um, you know, you just, you just have more baggage. And I'm not telling anyone that's divorced in here not to remarry. I'm not, telling you, I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you that if you're in a marriage, if at all possible, make that marriage work. Your best possibility, unless there's some unforeseen circumstances and some exceptions, your greatest opportunity for success is in the marriage that you are presently in. Okay? There are exceptions. Please remember that. Well, if the husband will offer unconditional love to his wife and the wife will offer unconditional respect to her husband, you'll be surprised how well things will go for you in your marriage. All right, back to to our notes. Uh, When she is assured of her husband's love and loyalty, she is energized and motivated. She must be convinced of his solemn vow till death do us part. I want to read uh, something uh, to you from the book Love and Respect, where some of this uh, is coming from. Uh, This acrostic is coming from out of this book. And uh, so I I want to read something to you from the book Love and Respect. Says one of the finest examples of a loyal husband I have found is the story of Robert of, of Robertson McQuilkin. 
who left his position as president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary after 22 years because his wife had developed Alzheimer's disease. The disease had progressed to the point where his wife simply could not stand having him gone, even for a few hours. She would actually think he was lost, and she would go in search of him after he left home for work. It was clear to McQuilkin that his wife now needed him full time. His decision was difficult, but in a way it was simple. He said, the decision was made in a way 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health in, until death do us part. McQuilkin went on to say that he wanted to be a man of his word and he also wanted to be fair. His wife had cared for him sacrificially during all those 42 years that they were married, and if he cared for her for the next 42 years, he still would not be out of her debt. For McQuilkin, this simple decision was the only option for him. But there was more to it than just keeping a promise and being fair. As I watch her brave descent into oblivion, Muriel is the joy of my life, he said. Daily I discern her manifestations of the kind of person she is, the wife I always loved. McQuilkin wrote a book about his experience, A Promise Kept, and in it he mentioned how startled he was by the response of his resignation as president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary in order to care for his wife. Husbands and wives renewed marriage vows. Pastors told his story during their sermons. It was all a mystery to him until a distinguished oncologist who dealt constantly with dying people told him, almost all women stand by their men. Very few men stand by their women. Wow. I'm going to say that again, read that again. A distinguished oncologist who dealt constantly with dying people told him, almost all women stand by their men. Very few men stand by their women. I can't speak for you fellows, but I never want it said of me, he didn't stand by his wife in time of her greatest need. In this book, he writes, she is assured of your loyalty. And he gives a list of things here when you speak highly of her in front of others. When you are involved in things important to her. When you help her make decisions such as ones regarding the children. When you do not correct her in front of the children. When you do not look lustfully at other women. When you make her and your marriage a priority. When you are never critical of her or your children in front of others. When you include her in social gatherings when others may leave their spouses home. 
when you tell the children, don't speak to your mother that way. When you call and let her know your plans. When you keep commitments. And when you speak positively of her and the children at all times. All right, for the letter E, for the letter E in our acrostic, esteem. You show your love to her through esteem. A wife needs her husband to honor and cherish her. It's in the marriage vows, to honor and to cherish Proverbs 31 and 28 says, her husband praises her. Let me ask you, husbands, how long has it been since you praised your wife? Have you told her how valuable she is to you? Has she heard you praise her in front of the kids? In front of other people? In front of her parents? I have made it a practice to tell my mother-in-law how incredible and how awesome her daughter is. Nearly every time when she comes to visit, I will, I will tell my mother-in-law, you raised an awesome daughter. Your, your daughter is an incredible wife, an incredible mother, a rock star, a rock star pastor's wife. I tell my wife's sister, Your sister is a rock star. Your sister is awesome. Your sister is incredible. I'm pretty sure it gets back to my wife. A happy wife is one who feels that her husband treasures her. Write this down, husbands. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. And if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Husbands, if you want to make sure and ensure your happiness, make your wife happy and she'll make you happy. A treasured wife will become the treasure of her husband. Luke 6 and 38, give and it shall be given back to you. This is a principle of God's word. It works in every area of life. Just try it. Just try smiling at people. And most people will smile back. Some people think you're weird, but most people will smile back. Whatever you give out, it'll come back to you. Kindness, generosity, understanding, love. We're still talking about meeting the first need of our wife, which is or the, the number one need of our wife, which is love. A wife feels love when she is esteemed by her husband, when she feels that he treasures her. She feels loved when he honors her and cherishes her, when she feels that he has placed her on a pedestal. Husbands, this is what we need to understand. Ladies, you need to understand this also. A man gets his self-worth in what he does. 
A man gets his self-worth in what he does, his job, his career, what he's able to do, run faster, jump higher, hit a ball farther, make more money, acquire more things. Men find self-worth in what he is able to do and what he's able to accomplish. This is one reason many men die soon after retirement because their self-worth was tied to their job or career. And once it's over, so are they. And this is why when a man retires, he must find something else to do besides just sit around the house. Because if he just sits around the house, he's going to die. A woman, on the other hand, she gets her self-worth through her family. She's a nurturer. And this is why, husbands, we must esteem our wives. We must affirm their incredible value to us and to our entire family. Let me speak to any husband of a stay-at-home wife or mother. Never allow your wife to feel she isn't contributing to the family because she doesn't bring home a paycheck. If she truly does her job, I'm not talking about the woman that sits around all day on the couch eating bonbons. Never allow your wife to feel she isn't contributing to the family because she doesn't bring home a paycheck. If she truly does her job as a stay-at-home wife and mother, I promise you, you do not want to trade places with her. Fact of the matter is, I would encourage you to try it for a day or two. You'll be glad to go back to work. My daughter is uh, off on a little job two or three year, times a year. She travels and does a little, a little marketing job, and she's in Atlanta for a couple of days in a job. So, so Sean has all three kids. Well, that also means that Grammy and Pawpaw help, mostly Grammy. I'm going to be honest, okay? So Grammy had all three of the kids today, and... Uh, and she told me a little while ago, she says, I don't know how Krista does this. I said, well, Krista's 25 years younger than you are for number one. <laughs> but uh, try it a day or two. You'll be glad to go back to your regular job. Typically, and everything we're saying these weeks, and Mary gives me a dirty look every once in a while because it doesn't relate to her because she's a little different, and I, I can pick on her because she knows I love her, but we're talking typical, okay? We're talking, talking typically. Everything we say in these, these eight weeks, we're speaking typically. These are, there are exceptions uh, to everything. One size doesn't fit all. We're talking in generalities, okay? We're talking average and most often, okay? So typically... A man is, is a provider. He's, he sees his job as the main provider for the family. And that's great. That's great, sir. But your wife needs more than food and shelter and clothing. She needs, you, your, she needs your unconditional love, which uh, we've spelled out for you in, your, in our acrostic of the word couple. And as a provider, sir... You must not only provide for your wife's physical needs, but also her emotional needs, which, in, which includes being honored, being cherished, being treasured, being valued. 
How am I doing, ladies? A woman, I've said it, is a nurturer. A wise husband will not take for granted the value his wife adds to the family. A wise husband will constantly thank his wife and brag on her for the contribution she makes to his life and their family. Esteem your wife for what she does, but don't overlook cherishing her simply for who she is. Because truth be known, you probably married her for who she is, not for what she does. What she does is just a bonus. Let me read something else to you from from this book. I love this. Let me find it here. Reading from this book, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egricks. It's under... Uh, the heading, thank her for all she does. One other way to esteem your wife is to let her know you really appreciate all she does. You may have heard the story of the husband who came home from work to find bikes and scooters blocking the driveway, the house in shambles, dirty dishes stacked in the sink, dirty laundry piled up, pieces of clothing scattered everywhere, and his two preschool children drawing on the wall. He finally found his wife asleep in bed. He woke her up and asked, Honey, honey, the place is a disaster. The kids are running wild. What is going on? She looked at him with a tired smile. Well, you know how you always come home and you ask me what I did all day? He said, Yeah. He said, Well, today... I didn't do it. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Esteem your wife for what she does, but don't overlook cherishing her simply for who she is. One woman said to her husband, I I just got off the phone with my sister, and she's incredible. She tells me that she helped her husband build a back porch on their house this summer. She also made a rocking chair, and she's in an exotic food uh, cooking class. She's always doing something, making something. I feel so inadequate when I talk with her. What do I make? Her husband turned to her and said, you make me happy. Bingo. Bonus points for that husband. He knows how to esteem his wife. Following are some more ideas on how to esteem, cherish, and honor the most important person in your life. So let me give you this list. Your wife will feel esteemed when, first of all, you say, I'm so proud of the way you handled that. You speak highly of her in front of others. You open the door for her. You try something new with her. You give her encouragement or praise with kindness and enthusiasm. You notice something different about her hair or clothes. And you compliment, not, what'd you do to your hair? Been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. I didn't see my wife for about two weeks. Then I can see her a little bit out of this one eye. 
You are physically affectionate with her in public. Not overly. I added that. You teach the children to show her and others respect. You value her opinion in the gray areas as not being wrong, but just different than yours. You choose family outings over guy things. You make her feel first in importance. You are proud of her and all she does. Well, next week we're going to talk about how a wife can give unconditional respect to her husband. So, fellas, I'm going to even out the playing ground next week, okay? Uh, I'm going to flip-flop this thing, okay? Uh, So if you feel beat up, if you feel beat up, come back next week, and I'm going to tell your wife what your needs are, okay? And, And ladies, ladies... Don't take this and run with it. You come back for your beating, okay? (laughs) Don't stay home. I tried to help you the past couple of weeks. I'm going to try and help the hubbies next week. And hopefully both husbands and wives are being helped. And let me finish by giving you a warning, right? Let me give you a warning. Do not keep score. Do not keep score. And do not say, pastor said you were supposed to do this. Pastor said you were not supposed to say that. Pastor said you were not supposed to act that way. Do not bring me into it. Do not keep score. Focus on meeting your spouse's needs. Not on whether or not your spouse is meeting your needs. Because that's the problem. That's the biggest problem is that we, we focus on the fact that our needs are not being met. Instead of focusing on our needs not being met, focus on meeting the need of your spouse. And we're going to tell you what those needs are. And the number one need for the wife is what? Love. And the number one need for the husband is Well, focus on meeting your spouse's need, not focus on the fact that my need's not being met. And don't expect your marriage to improve by 100% overnight. If you have marriage issues, they didn't become issues overnight. And you won't repair those issues overnight. And anyone can make changes for a day and maybe a week. These are not temporary things to do. The things you hear these eight weeks must become a lifestyle. You're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time. It's not going to make your marriage perfect. But there should be improvement. I've said it every week. I'll say it again. Every bad marriage, I believe, can become a good marriage. Every good marriage can become a great marriage. Every great marriage can become an even greater marriage. If we learn some things about marriage, some things about each other, and and then put into practice what we hear and what we learn. We become consistent with it. Be a better mate and you will have a better marriage. It's that simple. 
be a better mate, and you will have a better marriage. Be a better mate, and I believe you will get a better mate. Because give, and it shall be given to you. What you give out will come back to you. Okay? Again, well, I did it once and it didn't work. We're talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle. All right, anybody getting anything out of this? Please shake your head yes or you'll just all be sucking my thumb all night long. All right. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share with these that uh, have come again tonight to, to glean, to learn. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the incredible, incredible uh, thing called marriage. Thank you for the partnership that we have. Thank you that, Lord, you didn't, you didn't make us walk through life alone. But, Lord, you gave us someone. And, Lord, you didn't give us someone just like us, but you gave someone to us opposite. And, Lord, that brings a lot of, of, of difficulty. It brings some conflict and all that. But it also brings to, to our life a different perspective. And it helps balance us out. And, Lord, I thank you for that. God, help us, Father, to, to love our mate and to respect our mate, to learn the needs of our mate and do our best to meet those needs. Father, I just pray you'll help us, Lord, to have a desire, Lord, to, to uh, have a better marriage than we have. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.